friends, this is Jim Humphrey, and you're listening to Live Well, where we discuss some important elements affecting our current health and longevity. Today's episode is entitled, Don't Put That in Your Mouth. For those of you who are parents like I am, you're probably familiar with the phrase, don't put that in your mouth. It seems like we spend the majority of our parental time telling our younger age children not to place harmful things in their mouth. Then they grow up and later begin putting other harmful things in their mouth that we loosely call food. Our brain, the most complex structure ever created, is under attack today. And no, not by some alien brain-sucking creature or ingested worm, but something more subtle and oftentimes by our own hand. The majority of Americans today get over 50% of their calories from highly processed engineered fast foods. Just the mere thought of that should make us feel a little bit queasy. Even though many of us are educated enough to know how this affects our physical health, few understand how much it can also damage our mental health. For some reason, as humans, we don't seem to make the logical connection that whatever goes in the proverbial pie hole either fuels or degrades our gray matter upstairs. While it makes up just a small percentage of our overall body weight, roughly three pounds, our brain is using up 25% of the body's energy at any given time. So when it comes to the fuel you're using to create the energy, quality obviously matters. Things like fast-burning carbohydrates that are full of sodium, saturated fats, and a smorgasbord of preservatives may give our body and our brain an immediate short-term energy boost, but it ultimately bogs down with inflammatory substances and toxins. Unfortunately, this type of eating makes up the majority of the Western diet today. According to Dr. Joel Furman, a well-noted physician and best-selling author, one recent study found that people who eat fast foods or highly processed foods like cereals, chips, energy bars, and soft drinks are 51% more likely to develop depression when compared to those who eat little or no fast food. More interestingly is that particular finding was also determined from evaluating just two servings a week, and it doesn't only affect adults. It was also discovered during the study that children who consume a nutritionally, nutritionally superior diet perform better academically compared to those who are nutrient deficient. Now, that would seem rather obvious to most of us. Well-fed children are also less hyperactive, less moody, and better behaved. I know I've personally seen this proven over and over again with our grandchildren and other young children, uh, family and friends. I've also personally viewed children who supposedly had attention deficit disorder or ADD or attention deficit hyperactive disorder, ADHD, experience monumental behavior changes and shifts when fed balanced, natural, and nutritious foods. Now, hypothetically, would you feed your children fast food if you knew it had the slightest potential to damage their brains and decrease their intelligence? Well, of course not. None of us would do that. Yet millions of parents do it every single day. Processed and fast foods are the primary source of calories in the standard American diet which means that all across the country, people are suffering from the negative impacts these foods bring to us, uh, such as brain fog, depression, mood swings, anxiety, violence and aggression, obesity, diabetes, and cancer, which have exploded over the past three decades with the rise of processed food industry. Now, don't get me wrong. 
I love to grill burgers on the back deck, slap a slice of cheese on it, and eat a homemade French fry or two, uh, just as much as anyone. But we're talking about something a little more serious than just that. Poor nutrition leaves a wide path of human suffering. Fortunately, the solution is hiding in plain sight and something we can change at any given time. A diet rich in slower processed natural foods like fruits, vegetables, beans, nuts, and seeds is a secret to improving our nation's health and helping people everywhere reach their full physical and mental potential. We'll be talking a little bit more of this in detail in following uh, episodes. Just imagine if we could solve our current healthcare crisis, prevent millions from suffering needlessly, reduce mental health illnesses, increase intelligence, and reduce crime by simply changing how people eat. Does that sound uh, too good to believe? Is it any harder to believe than taking a pill or a supplement will cure whatever ails you? I don't think so. Our health and happiness are dependent on what we put in our mouth. Like the old saying goes, if you put junk in, you get junk out. Doesn't sound like rocket science to me, but to make a change, we need a revolution in how we approach our food, our nutrition, and our health. It all starts with each one of us, the consumer. Knowledge is power but only if that knowledge is exercised. Now let's imagine for a moment that we ignore all the evidence and continue down the same path that we're on today without changing a thing. What is the long-term future for the human race? According to Dr. Mark Hyman, a well-known 12-time best-selling author, physician, and the current director of functional medicine at the Cleveland Clinic, we are in the middle of the biggest crisis humanity has ever faced, and a large part of this is due to our food system. Now, one of the things I want you to know about his quote, notice he didn't stop at just saying food. He includes the word system. This is because it is a system of policies that facilitates the current crisis we have today and further supported by a culture of impatience, convenience, and instant gratification. So it's not just the food, it's the systems and the culture that have been created as a result of the major changes in food over the last few decades. At the turn of the century, the 20th century, advances in agriculture, crop management, growth hormones, significantly increased food production necessary for a growing population. There were a lot of good people doing what they thought were good things. But the question before us now is, how do these genetically modified foods and policies affect our health and the future of the human race at large. Genetically engineered ingredients show up in most of the processed foods uh, you see in the grocery store today. Yet their long-term health effects still remains relatively unknown. More than 85% of the corn and soy grown in the United States come from seeds whose DNA has been re-engineered to increase yields. These two crops play key roles in many of our processed foods today from things like soda, to salad dressing, to bread. Genetically modified organisms, or GMOs as they're often called, advocates say these genetically modified foods allow farmers to produce more with fewer chemicals, which leads to a cleaner environment and, a cheaper, and cheaper groceries for us all. <clears throat> well, all of this sounds good and fine. It makes a great sales tagline and looks good on a balance sheet but the real question remains, what impact do genetically modified foods have on our long-term health? Unfortunately, the answer is 
Not one definitive study or series of studies has been published with a focus specifically on gen genetically modified effects. Even though these GM foods have been on the market since 1994, research on their long-term effects on humans specifically is very limited, and the research that is conducted is often suppressed. There are, however, many other health-related metrics that we can quantify and thus directly coincide with changes in our food production and consumption. So is it a correlation or a coincidence? You make the call. According to a 2015 study um, by Schroeder University in India, elements like obesity, food poisoning, dehydration, cardiac problems, diabetes, uh, um, mellitus, arthritis, have seen a profound rise in developing countries with large consumption of unhealthy junk food or processed foods with high fat calorie intakes. Uh, Schreeder's study further stated, there is general harmony that many chronic problems first noticed in Western countries, but progressively flourished worldwide relate mainly to diet. Again, many of these chronic problems we have today relate directly to our diet. And our diet is make up, made up of the foods uh, that we purchase and the ways in which they are processed. Additionally, uh, uh, many allergists are concerned that as genes are transferred between plants, uh, allergic proteins from plants like peanuts or wheat, which there are high levels of um, allergic reactions today, will begin to show up in unexpected places like soy and sugar. This would lead to a continued increase in food allergies. Um, Dr. Richard Goodman, a professor of food science and technology at the University of Nebraska, uh, who also happened to be a former scientist at Monsanto, uh, which many believe today dominate the U.S. food industry and are closely aligned with Big Pharma, but I'll let you make the call, says that seed companies run sophisticated tests to prevent that kind of mistake from happening. But inserting new genes into a seed's delicately constructed genome is always a gamble because scientists can't act accurately predict all the consequences. There's always the possibility of creating brand new allergens and a possibility of those we cannot defend. Interesting. According to a study by the Centers of D Disease Control, or CDC, food allergies in children have risen over 50% from 1997 to 2011. Now, despite the potential health implications, uh, more uh, genetically modified foods appear each year, regardless of what the studies tell us. In 2011, uh, a USDA approved the planting of genetically enhanced sugar beets uh, that help produce various types of sugars and alfalfa, which is you know a hay for livestock. Um, in 2015, the FDA approved genetically modified fast-growing salmon for sale and consumption, uh, which has then led subsequently to a lot of studies um, in what may be a future uh, production of pigs that are designed to produce omega-3s. All that sounds great and fine, uh, but again, we don't know what the long-term effects and impacts of those, uh, those genetically modified um, food sources will be on the human body long-term. Now, to me, this sounds like the backstory to every end-of-the-world Armageddon movie ever made where humans took, took upon themselves to improve on the natural order of things within nature. Um, it seems like that's always the case with all these types of movies. 
Um, interesting enough, just looking at politics today, sometimes we look it looks like we're living in a, a, a bad B-rated movie. So that may, in fact, be the case. Uh, genetically modified foods are not required to be labeled, um, and therefore it's impossible for us as consumers to tell them apart from regular foods. Uh, a gentleman named Gary uh, Hirschberg, who is a chairman and founder of uh, Stonyfeld, which is an organic yogurt company, um, believed so vehemently about this that back in October of 2011, he partnered uh, with an organization called Just Label It, a national coalition of nearly 450 organizations uh, to petition the FDA to give consumers a choice. Uh, but to date, there's still no requirement for these genetically modified labelings to occur. Although some foods will now be required to state that they are bioengineered. Um, but then again, what does that mean to the consumer? As part of this continual battle, uh, in as late as 2015, the food industry spent over $200 million lobbying against uh, the GMO labeling bills. Um, and thus far, they have won the battle and uh, GMO labeling is, is not a requirement uh, by food manufacturers today. Um, Ashley Koff, a registered dietitian who studies uh, GM foods, uh, stated that the status quo is innocent until proven guilty, as it was for trans fats, DDTs, and countless other harmful chemicals. Um, a labeling requirement would motivate seed companies to prove to consumers that their products are safe and to, protect, and to protect their sales, end quote. Um, nearly 50 other countries, including China, Brazil, uh, most of the European nations have mandated that genetically modified organisms or GMOs be marked. And in uh, even a recent MSNBC online poll, 96% uh, of some 45,000 respondents said that these foods should be labeled so consumers have the opportunity to make the choice themselves. Uh, at least today, uh, 30 states have introduced legislation to promote GMO labeling. One additional relationship between food and environment and our body needs to be mentioned here. Uh, cell degeneration. My grandfather once said, if it ain't growing, it's dying. And I'm fairly sure he wasn't the first one to coin that phrase. And I've heard it quoted several times uh, since. But this is basically true of all living cellular organisms. The nutrients in our food enable cells in our body to perform all the necessary functions needed. When the nutrients we take in don't meet the needs of the cell, the performance of those cells or the metabolic process slows down and eventually stops, hence dying. The environment around us, including the air we breathe, the water we drink, the unseen toxins that are absorbed, and the amount of solar radiation on our skin all have an impact on us, as well as all living things at the cellular level. So I'll leave you today with this question. Are we really experiencing a more toxic environment than our grandparents? Or is it all an exaggeration? I don't know, you make the call. Until next time, remember, feed your body, feed your mind, feed your spirit, and live well.